If you have your Bibles, we can turn to Acts chapter 9. And uh, to all of our guests, once again, I want to say thank you for being here. If you're a first-time guest, uh, please don't leave without us being able to meet you. We also have a gift for you at the Welcome Center over here, so I uh, hope that you'll stop by after the service. Uh, we've been going through this study for, for weeks and months now, continuing on in this. Uh, I've said before, I'll say it again, such an important study. Uh, it seems like uh, the, the, the prophecies about the church and the people of God and even people professing to, to be followers of God are coming true. There's people departing from the faith, apostasies going on. The Bible talks about in the end times there's going to be a great apostasy, a great departure from the faith. And um, I, I pray that Trinity Baptist Temple is a unique church. I pray that we are different and that we are pressing in, not pulling away. Uh, as the Lord approaches. And I hope that you're doing that. I hope that you're a part of that. I hope that you don't uh, start chasing after things of this world that pull you away from the things of God. Uh, we, are, we have to be the light uh, in this dark place because the, the gospel is the only hope for this world. And uh, we've got to be the ones that bear it and not just bear it, but live it out as well. And so we see this in the first church. They were on board. They were sold out. They were given their lives. They were all about the kingdom. And that, is, that should be what we are, are all about in our lives. Uh, there's been so many things that have skewed and misused and abused the church, the kingdom of God, in this day and time. And, and again, I believe Christians, many well-meaning Christians have fallen into that trap that it's okay to have a discounted Christianity. It's not okay. Jesus' blood was enough to wash us from all, cleanse us from all of, all of our iniquities, save us from an eternity separated and punished for evil. And it's not something to be discounted in our lives. Our commitment to Jesus Christ should not be rivaled by anything in this world. We should be clearly the saints of Jesus Christ, living in this world as lights, as, as gospel bearers. It should be very clear that we are the ones who are sold out to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And uh, again, I, I feel like there is a, uh, a, a dumb down of the church, a dumbing down of the things of God. And it, 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 in this church, we need to be sold out, not, not dumbing anything down. But last week, we did a little bit of a, a character assessment of this Pharisee called Saul. And he would eventually become someone who will see the Apostle Paul. And uh, this guy was a vicious man. We believe he was, of course, inspired by the devil himself. Not only inspired, but I believe filled. And he was, he was out to not only persecute, but to imprison and see the murder of the followers of Jesus Christ. Um, that, that's our lineage. And again, the, the Saul, the Pharisee, was attempting to wipe out the church. He was attempting to wipe out the gospel, to silence what Jesus Christ came here, died for, and commissioned his church to do. But we saw in his character assessment that he was this esteemed man. He was somebody that people feared, that people respected. He had a life in this world. It, many people today would look at him and say, you're crazy. You're crazy to leave all this behind. You have money. You have regard. People fear you. People respect you. You are uh, among the religious elite. There, there are all those things going for you. Why in the world would you go a different direction? Why in the world would you give up everything that you had in this world to go the direction that you, you, you're going. And again, we're going to see what, what happens with him today. Uh, but he was uh, someone that the world, again, would, would highly esteem. And I believe did highly esteem. But in chapter 
9 so far, it's given us what his intent was to travel to Damascus. And that's what we were looking at. He was going with letters from the high priest to take men and women out of their homes and haul them back to Jerusalem. Uh, so again, they would either be imprisoned or, or put to death uh, in, in the end. But we saw he encountered Jesus Christ. <laughs> and in, in this encounter on the Damascus road, he falls down in submission to that powerful voice, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he knew, we saw who was speaking to him, even though he asked him, who art thou, Lord? Uh, he, 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 he knew it was uh, that great divine authority from, from above. Jesus, of course, answers and declares to him, to him that it's, it's Jesus Christ. And then he says this, it's hard for you to kick against the pricks. You're going a direction and you're, you're, you're kicking against the direction I want you to go, and you're doing more damage to yourself than you're doing damage to anything else. And again, that's something that happens in our lives still today. There are people that are insistent on going their way. They're insistent on doing things their way. They're insistent on, on living life the way that they want to live life. And, and some, if, if, if they're, again, a, apart from Jesus Christ, I believe that they're people he puts up and, and things that happen in those, those people's lives that he tries to get their attention and draw them into that personal relationship with him. We also talked about the sad reality that there are those of us who have left our lives behind in the world, that we've turned our backs on sin, we've turned our backs on the world, we've turned our backs on, on our flesh to follow Jesus Christ with everything. And as we go down the road of obedience, sometimes we stray off and become disobedience, and sometimes the Lord gets our attention with things and we talked about how it's way better to give the Lord full attention right now than to wait for him to get it later because he'll get it later if we're a child of God he will get your attention and I'm telling you it's not fun when he gets it when he gets your attention the hard way it's just a lot better if we say you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna submit to the Lord and give him my full attention I'm gonna be fully submitted and obedient to his his will and his word but we, we learned that Saul had fought the very person who died for him. And I want to remind us of that this morning. If you're a Christian and you've kind of picked up some of the reins or you've tried to grab hold of that steering wheel again in your life and you, you know that there may be some things, some choices that you're making for you and your family that aren't pleasing to God, that aren't esteeming him, aren't putting him first, but you're just trying to test the waters and see how long you can go down that road, I want to give you a word of caution and warning this morning. Stop. Don't go that way. Because it's not worth it what it may cost you down the road. It would just be better to, to live in what Brother Tony was talking about, the abundance of those blessings that only God can afford. It may not look like the earthly blessings that the world wants to tempt us with, but it'll be blessings that only God can give us. It's just way better to be on that, that road of obedience. But again, many people today are fighting maybe blind ambition, as Saul was, or maybe some people are truly trying to get temporal gain to fight. It's, it's, a, it's a losing battle that you're fighting if that's the case. There's only one winning side in the end, and that's the side of the Lord Jesus Christ. What's amazing is that God showed this person who was literally attacking him personally killing his people, God's people. Such grace and mercy. Such long-suffering and patience. And again, as a child of God, I, I'm a complete testimony that God has 
shown patience and long-suffering and grace and mercy in times that just the, the definition of the words, I didn't deserve it. Not just for salvation, but even as a child of God. And, and again, that's, that's an amazing thing that God has extended to even his children uh, as we live on this earth for his, his, his purpose and his glory. But Saul yielded to this voice that called out to him, why are you kicking against the pricks? We identified that voice, of course, as the, the same voice calling for people to submit their lives for salvation, to submit to being obedient in baptism, to becoming a church member and serving and using gifts and in, 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 in the things that God has given. But I, I want to make this point as we, before we move, move forward this morning. I know it's a long intro, but Saul had no idea, no idea at all, that, that God was going to use him to turn the known world upside down for the kingdom of God. Saul thought he was on the right mission when he encountered Jesus Christ. And, and, and when he encountered Jesus Christ on that road to Damascus, and he submitted to him, he said, Lord, what will you have me to do? And he called out, Lord, who, who are you, Lord? Saul had no idea that he was going to be used as a vessel to reach the known world for the cause of Christ. The very cause that he was trying to murder people for. The very cause that would end up costing Saul's life as well. We'll see this morning what Saul's response is after hearing that voice of conviction and see how we can, uh, again, apply it in our lives. So let's pray and we'll get into this. Father, thank you for this time again. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you for your word. God, we live in a, in a day and time where our life is moving so fast. We get so wrapped up, so busy. So many things going on, and uh, to just stop and, and to gather and to be disciplined, to, to sit and, and to be in your word together as your people, uh, sometimes can be sadly an imposition. And I pray that that's not what that is going on right now, Lord. I pray that we as your people would be just resting in you, that we would be still and know your God, that we would be ready and, and receptive to what your spirit has for every single one of us. Lord, I'm just a person, Lord, I know that uh, it's your word, it's your spirit that does the work, and so I pray that you would just use me as a vessel so that you and you alone are glorified. Lord, I pray that you would have the glory in this church and all your saints, Lord. We ask that you would just move now in a great way, and we'll praise you for what you do. Lord, we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Acts chapter 9. Verse 6 is where we pick, pick up. Again, Saul had encountered this voice, this bright light. He falls down. Who are you, Lord? Saul, why are you persecuting me? Well, how long are you going to kick against the pricks? So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what, will you, what do you want me to do? What would you have me to do? My life is yours. Again, <laughs> Brother Tony just sang that song, My life is in your hands. That's, that's what... Paul basically said, I've been doing my thing. I've been going the way of the world. I've had everything that the world could offer, but I'm done. Saul said, I'm done going that way. I've encountered a love. I've encountered a power. I've encountered such a, a strong person, Jesus Christ, that I'm willing to stop everything, yield everything, and do whatever you want me to do. And again, I believe that's exactly what happens for every single person when they get saved. If that's not what happened when you got saved, I want to challenge you this morning to really evaluate your salvation before you leave. Because it's not a prayer, it's not a religion, 
in our religious acts. It is truly an absolute surrender of your life, a, cha- a 180 degree change from the direction you were going, the things you were living for, to a different eternal purpose, an eternal God. So he so said, what do you want me to do? My life is yours. And the Lord said to him, arise and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. I want to say this morning, the first and only response to the Lord's call in our life should be that of respect, reverence, and resolve. Exactly what we see here. It's a a response of submission. And that simply means that our plan must be completely sacrificed. What I want from my life, what I want from my family, what I want in, 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 in my existence on this earth is now sacrificed. It's done. My pride. Yeah, but I only have this opportunity once. That's exactly right. You have this opportunity once. You and I will never get back the time or the days that we waste in vain in this world instead of waste it in investment for the king. I'll never get it back. You'll never get it back. I only get one shot, and I've got to do it right now if I'm ever going to do it. That's exactly right either for the king or for a world that's wasting away. Our pride has to be set aside. Paul, Saul could have resisted. He, could have, he said, you know what? I, I, I want to give you an option here, God. I, I have a lot of people that, that respect me. I have a lot of regard. I have a lot of people that fear me. I have a lot of things going on in my life right now. So can I just go and, and experience all the good things that you bless with and still do everything that I want to do and have all the stuff that I want to have in the world too. He could have propositioned the Lord. He could have been prideful. But he laid it all down in humble submission and said, Lord, what will you have me to do? And he wasn't saying like in this moment right now, this, the, the wording here is an absolute surrender for his life. He was saying, as I said, the song just sang, my life is in your hands now, Lord. This morning, God may may not take you around the known world, but he wants to do what he has designed you for in your life right now. He doesn't want you and I to waste it. He wants to accomplish his perfect plan while he has you on this temporal world right now. I believe that he'll do that if you and I will start with a submitted heart. That's where Saul started. That's where Paul started. And God was about to do something that, again, Saul, I don't believe, could have ever imagined. I think that he imagined maybe a different version of that as he was being a Pharisee persecuting the church. But he never could have imagined what Jesus was going to do with his life. Something beyond imagination. And I, Point number one is, is, I think, so important. It is any significant use, which of course, any significant use comes from the Lord. Any significant use of our life starts with humble submission. It doesn't come by talent or, or uh, opportunity or intelligence or anything like that. If our life is truly going to have a significant mark on this life, it's going to start with us saying, Lord, what would you have me to do? I'm submitted. 
I want you to stop doing this. I want you to sacrifice this. I want you to start doing this. I want you to start giving like this. I want you to start sharing like this. Whatever the case may be, I want you to do this. It, it doesn't start with, but God, it's not what Saul did. He said, Lord, what will you have me to do? People assign significant use of their life to worldly efforts and goals. Like we talked about last week and, and miss so much. Well, if I can get to that position or if we can get this stuff or if we can, we can see our kids do these things in the world and miss the mark of existing on this earth altogether. And Jesus taught this in Mark chapter 8 and calling to the crowd to him with his disciples and said to them, if anyone come after me, let him what? Deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. What exactly does that mean? To, to bear the cross means to accept the rejection of the world for turning to Jesus and following him. Discipleship involves a death that is like a crucifixion. To follow Jesus Christ literally means I am dying daily to myself. I'm dying daily to the world. Paul talked about that to the Galatians in Galatians chapter 6, verse 14. Be it far, but far be it for me to boast except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Again, this is the same guy who just had his life impacted by Jesus Christ who just said, I'm yours, Lord. What will you have me to do? And then he goes on later to write this letter to the Galatian believers, and he's explaining what happened to me is I died to the world, and the world died to me. I no longer was driven by the things of this world. I no longer were driven by what I wanted from this life. Jesus goes on back in, the, in, in, in that text there, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake in the Gospels will save it. And the point of saying whoever wants to save his life will lose it is that if one comes to Jesus, then rejection by many will certainly follow. You'll lose your life if you follow Jesus that way. But if self-protection is a key motivation, then one will not respond to Jesus and will not be saved. One who's willing to risk rejection will respond and find true life. He goes on to say, verse 36, but what is a profit of man if he gains the whole world in profit of his soul? What can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. And he said to them, chapter 9, verse 1, truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God after it's come with power. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6, it says, humble yourselves therefore into the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time, he may exalt you. Matthew chapter 23, whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Again, last week we talked about how often we, even as Christians, can fall into developing a carnal, a worldly vision, a worldly goal, a worldly dream for our lives on earth. And as we do that, as we're driven by these worldly things, we truly miss the abundant life that Jesus died to give us. Yeah, but it's not. No, no, no. Paul said, what will you have me to do? Not God, let's talk about this agreement now. And the reason this is a problem, to have a worldly, a carnal, a fleshly 
vision and dream and be driven by those things is because most of the time when we do this, it looks like, looks like us trying to squeeze Jesus, trying to place a Christian tag into that vision or that goal. And it's okay. And I'll tell you that never works. Never works out. Most of the time we push Jesus right out and the next thing we know, we're not living for Christ at all. Again, it's not about wearing a tag. It's not about having a golden ticket. Well, I'm a Christian. I'm going to heaven. That's all that really matters and that's not found in Scripture. <laughs> to have a relationship it boils down to what, what Saul, what Paul, his name would eventually become. But what it boils down to is exactly what he just said in response to Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. Lord, what will you have me to do? That's what it boils down to. When we try to live the other way, that Christian tag or squeezing Christ into our life on this world, we make decisions to disregard the things that God has called his people to. Whether it's gathering to worship him or in edifying one another like we're doing right now. Or if it's leaving these four walls and going out and witnessing to the people that we encounter. Or if it's striving after his holiness because he is holy. We try to put that Christian tag on, squeeze Christ in. We not only damage the name of Jesus Christ and his blood-bought church. But we damage the next generation. The teenagers and the kids that live in our homes that, show, that come to this church as well. You're not teaching your kids that it's okay to have worldly dream for their life and still be a Christian. I said, why not? What you're doing is you're teaching them an eternally condemning doctrine that you can substitute an idol, a temporal God, for the one true God. That's what you're teaching them. And in doing so, so many of the next generation are being condemned with a false doctrine. Jesus will not share his deity, his position with anyone or anything, be it a dream, be it a goal, be it anything. Remember the charge that the people of Israel had by God himself? That if they didn't, what would happen to their kids in Deuteronomy chapter 6? Now this is the commandment, the statute, and the rule that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. That you may do them in the land which you are going over to possess it. Listen, this is what, this, this is what should guide you in the promised land. And of course, we know the illustration of God delivering his people out of Egypt and taking them into the promised land was just the foreshadowing of what God was going to do in the Messiah and through the Messiah for his eternal kingdom, us, today. And so he says, I'm going to guide you. And then later on, he would say, whenever he comes and he dies and he rises again from the grave, that he was going to write his law on their hearts, on our hearts. So when I have to go by, oh, well, God, you know, this is the law. This is the law. The law is written in our hearts when we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. He said, but here's, here's what should guide you as you go into the land of promise. That you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping, observing, obeying all his statutes and his commands, which I command you, 
all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear, therefore, Israel, and be careful to do them. Be watchful. Make sure that you observe these things, that it may go well with you, that your life may be blessed, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. You shall love the Lord your God with most of your heart. No, all of your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them. Listen to this. Teach these things to your children diligently. Whoa. Did you hear the responsibility, parents? You teach these things to your children diligently. It's important as the, the people of God that they come and gather like we we're supposed to, to gather faithfully, to be reminded, as Peter says, hey, it's my job to, to stir you up in remembrance of these things. But you parents are to teach your children diligently and shall talk of them when you sit around in your house and when you go out in the world, when you lie down, when you rise up, it should be everything about you. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They should be frontless between your eyes. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Let your whole life be about following the Lord. So your kids see that it's not just a tag you stick on your shirt. So that your kids see that it's a real relationship that governs every part of your life. Not just when you show up on a Sunday morning. Teach them diligently and let it be all about your life. So that they know and have a real relationship with the one true God. And they're not deceived by other doctrines and false gods that pull them away. Thinking that they're serving the one true God. Only to end up spending eternity in hell. And the Lord your God brings you to the land of the sword of your fathers. To Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob to give you the great and good cities that you did not build. God's going to bless you and give you things that you didn't earn. Houses full of good things that you didn't fill, and cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees you didn't plant. And when you eat and are full, when you are blessed by God with things you didn't do, you didn't earn, when you're born in a nation that is overflowing with blessings on every hand, when you're so enriched with things that you didn't do, God blesses you abundantly. Look what he says. And take care. Be very careful. Watch out. Be warned when you have so many blessings, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, out of bondage. When you are so full of blessings and so many blessings that you will partake in that you didn't even earn, you didn't even do, God just blessed you with them. When you are there, you need to watch out, be warned. Why? Because there's a temptation to forget the Lord and to forget what he delivered you out of. It is the Lord your God you shall fear. Him, him you shall serve. And by his name you shall swear. Nothing shall come between you. Nothing will come before him. It's him you should not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are around you. You can look around and see the world are serving the God of money, the God of, of the world, the God of stuff, the God of, 
of fame, all those things, but don't do that. You can see them going after those other gods. Why should we not do that? Because the Lord your God is in the midst, in your midst, he's a jealous God. Let the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you and he destroy you off the face of the earth. Proverbs 22, 6 says, train up a child in the way he should go, in the way he should go. Even when he's old, he will not depart from it. Remember the charge to the church in Ephesians chapter 6? Paul would eventually write to the Ephesian believers and say this, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but here's your charge, dads. Your responsibility is to bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. And I want my kid to be successful. There's nothing wrong with wanting to see your kid be successful. There's nothing wrong with wanting to see your kid do well in school and do well in life and have a family and, and, and have all the blessings. There's nothing wrong with that. But your drive and your goal and what God's going to hold you dads, us dads accountable for is whether we bring them up in his discipline and instruction and how their life goes from there will be up to them. It's our job. To teach them God's ways. Not just say it with our mouth, but live it out with our lives. So that when they leave our homes, they know it's real. It's not something I can leave behind because oh, mom and dad didn't live it out. I'm done with that. I'm sick of getting up on Sundays and going to church and doing all that. I'm just going to do my own thing now. How many teens do that? A lot of them. And that's, I'm not saying that there's, there's been parents that have poured themselves into being honest and, and, and sincere and following Jesus Christ and teaching their kids and raising their kids the right way and that small percentage of kids that still turn away and go, that still happens. But I would not want to gamble on my kids' eternity. I would not want to gamble on my kids' life by flippantly approaching following the Lord. By saying, well, I, as long as I'm kind of Staying with the rest of the group, I, I think I'm okay. I know other Christians that are doing this too. That's not what he said. Think about this, as I said a while ago. We get one shot. Moms, dads, grandparents, we get one shot. Kids, you get one shot. Teens, you get one shot in this life. One opportunity. To fulfill the eternal purpose for which God gave us life. You get one, one try, one opportunity, day by day, each day. The Bible says redeeming the time because the days are evil. We don't need to worry about the evil that tomorrow holds because each day has enough bad going on in it. We need to trust the Lord day by day, walking by faith, redeeming the time. Living for his glory. Say, yeah, but if, if I sacrifice things that I want to do in the world to be obedient to the Lord, then I'll never get an opportunity to do those things in my life again. You'll never get the time back to live for the glory of the Lord again. What's more important? The things in the world or the glory of Almighty God who gave you life, who died to give you eternal life, who has given you breath right now. What's more important? You know what the next generation needs to see? Nothing's more important than the Lord Jesus Christ. David Brainerd said this, Oh, how precious is time, and how it pains me to see it slide away while, while I do so little to any good purpose 
Look at those words again from that man. It, he says, how precious time is, how it pains me to see the, the time sliding away while I'm doing so little to any true good purpose. Who is David Brainerd? He's just a missionary who gave his life to reach the Native American Indians in the Northeast United States. A missionary gave his all. And he was saying, time is slipping away. I recently read a great illustration about time and opportunity and purpose. It says, imagine there's a bank that credits your account each morning with $86,400. Mm. Yes, every morning, every single morning. However, it debits what's left over at the end of every day. Every evening, it deletes what, whatever part of the balance you failed to use during the day. So you get $86,400 every day, but what you don't spend is taken out of your account. What would you do? Draw out every penny, of course. Every morning you get up, first thing you do, go to the bank, take $86,400 out. The illustration goes on to say, but each of us has such a bank in our lives. The name of the bank is time. Every morning, it credits each one of us with 86,400 seconds. Every night, it writes off as lost, unspent, unused. Whatever of this you and I have failed to invest in a good purpose. There's no balance that it carries over. It doesn't allow any overdrafts. Can't borrow from another day. But each day it opens a new account for us. Each night it burns those days' deposits. And again, the loss is yours or mine. There's no going back. We must live in the present on today's deposit and make the most of today. I'm going to get one point this morning, but I, I want to finish this section of, of what we have you know Saul Saul had encountered Jesus and we know up to this point he had wasted his life now the world looked at his life and thought that's what you should strive for Pharisee of the Pharisee Hebrew of the Hebrews respected regarded feared a man of prominence a man of, of acclaim all these things the world will look at Saul and say that is it right there but Saul, in this moment, as he submitted to Jesus Christ, realized his life had been wasted in vain. Spent on this world, spent on his, his pursuits. And again, he thought it was, he was religious in what he was doing. He had his own idea of what it was supposed to be for God, but it was about Paul. Now he's looking forward in faith with a willing heart. Notice, I said a minute ago that fulfilling God's eternal purpose for our life here on earth starts with a submitted and a willing heart like his. That's good and necessary, but it, it doesn't start with willingness and end with willingness. That's just the beginning. Look what it says. The Lord said to him, arise and go. Saul said, what would you have me to do? Well, just hang out. I'm, I'm happy that you are willing, Saul. <laughs> That's not what he said. 
Saul instantly knew something needed to change. Saul instantly knew something, he had to go a different direction. Saul instantly knew that he had to fulfill a, a greater purpose. And so he asked the Lord, what would you have me to do? And, and the Lord's response to him was, get up and go. And you'll be told what to do next. we got a couple minutes. I'll give you the second point. The second point is this. Oftentimes the step of obedience we're supposed to take leads to the next season of waiting or testing. Wouldn't that be amazing? What, what an anticlimactic experience in our Hollywood-influenced movie theater minds, right? We think, here it is. What's going to happen? Saul just encountered God. You know, on the road in mass with light shine, a voice like thunder. He submits to the Lord. This, this great feared man who was destroying the or trying to destroy the church is now encountering God. And, and what's going to happen next? Is, is he going to whisk him up in the clouds and send him across the world? What's going to happen to Saul? He says, what do you want me to do? I want you to get up, go to the city, and then I'll tell you what you're going to do. <laughs> and that's what happens in our life still today. So, I, man, I was down at the altar. I was in my, my personal study, or I was driving down the road, and I was just crying. I was praying, God, what do you want me to do? And I surrendered, and I, I said, Lord, I, I'll start serving this way. I'll start witnessing like this. God, I'll, I, I'll have this type of heart and this type of approach. God, I, I want to be in your word and pray. And we have this, this moment of, uh, of submission. God, just show me, direct me. And sometimes God's like, great. Now keep walking by faith, and I'll eventually show you what I want you to do. What? But I surrendered. I'm willing. I'm submitted. Can't you just tell me now what the end will be? Can't you just show me now what you want? As a child of God, our lives consist of mountaintops and valleys, lands of plenty and barren lands. All throughout Scripture, God used the physical landscape that He created to walk real men and women through those times and through those landscapes to illustrate what happens in our spiritual lives. At times, he's, he's protecting people in the cleft of the rock. That's what God does. At times, he, he has people in the valley under attack in darkness. On, at times, Brother Tony was sharing a devotion this morning with the praise team. He has his people up on the mountaintop showing himself as God, destroying all the other false gods. But why? Why doesn't he just leave us on the mountaintops? Why doesn't he just... Just keep us in that cave where he's protecting us in the cleft of the rock. Why is it not always just good? Most of the time, most of us, like Israel throughout history, are too easily moved. Too prone to wonder for trusting and loving God with our all. And so we run after the stuff. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I'll, run, I'll raise my hand. We, we are so easily pulled away. We can, we can make false idols, false gods that rival and even supplant the place of God alone. Start to reverse to a, a lifestyle similar to the ungodly that Romans chapter 1 describes. And I'm not going to read all that, but it says that they gave up worshiping God to serve the creator or the creation more than creator. So God gave them over to that. If we're to be on this earth and be a vessel that's ready for the Lord, any significant use of our life, it's only because we start walking by faith. It's only because we live our life with obedience. It's our faith in Christ alone. 
So in order to build our trust, that's why we go through the valley. That's why we go through the dark places. He sends us to the places like the desert with Philip. So we rely on him, and again, our trust grows. This morning, the reality is we often get impatient in our attitude when it comes to serving God. Regardless of what season we're in, whether we're in a dry season or, or, or a land of plenty, we can get impatient, right? You, you start getting in your flesh restless. And sometimes the things of God don't satisfy like they once did before. What we once deemed as good, maybe we deem as bad. And that's not just for serving God. It tends to be a theme of our lives in general. The command was to rise and go, and I'll show you what I want you to do there. So Saul does. The men who journeyed with him, verse 7, stood with him speechless, hearing a voice sing. Then Saul arose from the ground. When his eyes were open, he saw no one. He was blind. Well, that's great. I just submitted my life, got up, I was obedient. I did everything I was supposed to do, and now I'm blind. He led him by the hand, brought him to Damascus, and he was three days without sight, neither ate or drank. Doesn't sound right, right? Submitted, obedient, and blind. Seemingly, was, was he punished for this? I want to encourage you this morning. There will always be a situation where when we obey the Lord, it doesn't all make sense. And that's exactly what was going on with him. David Livingston, and I close. Great missionary to Africa said this, I'm prepared to go anywhere, provided it be forward. I determined never to stop until I'd come to the end and achieve my purpose. People talk of the sacrifice that I've made in spending so much of my life in Africa, and look what it says. It's emphatically no sacrifice. Say, rather, it's a privilege. Christians, we need to see our lives as living sacrifices, as vessels for his purpose. If you're here this morning and you say, you know what, I've been doing, I, I've been doing my thing and placing a Christian tag on my life. Maybe, maybe there's parents here, and you know 100% you've, you're compromising in your allegiance to Christ. You know, you know in your heart of hearts that you're not setting the example of whole surrender, of complete obedience to your kids, and your kids are learning that. Maybe this morning you say, Lord, I want it to stop. I want to be a sincere follower. I want, to, I want my kids to see Christ in me. I want, to, I want to see that influence. That way they're not set up for failure, but they're set up for spiritual success. And if you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Christ, today's the day. Don't leave this place not knowing that heaven is your eternal home. If you're here and you're like, I'm not positive, I'm 95% I'm sure that I'll go to heaven, please don't leave here on 95%. Leave here on 100%. We can talk to you down here at the altar. We can take you to the side over here uh, and just show you privately and, and how you can know for sure. We can talk to you after the service. But please don't leave here without knowing that heaven's your home. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time again. Thank you for this opportunity to be challenged and encouraged lord we thank you for uh, just the again the story that we are able to learn from uh, we realize that we have a short amount of time and it's almost like we were extremely tested in one way this past year or 15 months 
to scrape and to, to claw and to, to grab hold of, of safety and security, to grab hold of normalcy. And it, it seems like things are kind of getting back the way that we were used to. I pray that we just, we don't miss the purpose and we don't miss the opportunity of giving you more than we did before. Lord, I pray that we would bring the lessons that you are our hope, you are our peace, you are our safety, you are everything, you are our God. And there's nothing in this world, nothing this world offers that compares to you. I pray that we would live that out, that the next generation would see that. God, that again, you would be glorified in your church. Help us to respond now as, as we have this invitation. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll stand as he plays, I want to encourage you to stand.